0: Good morning. Good morning. My name is Elijah Bushelak. I'm one of the youth interns here at Mary Methodist. Today, our first scripture today comes from Philippians 4 10 through 20. It says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied, now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. Our second scripture today comes from Luke 23. 44 through 47. It reads, It was about noon, and darkness came over the whole sky, until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, in your hands, I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last breath. The centurion, seeing what had happened, Praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. When Jesus had sacrificed himself, we were given everything that we needed. When the church of Philippi gave Paul everything he had needed, Paul was very thankful for their gifts. Paul didn't need any more because he had learned to be content in every situation, whether it was good or bad. He knew that he had strength through Jesus. Would you please pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this day today and everyone here today. We ask that we may be able to understand your ultimate sacrifice and love for us. We pray over Pastor Mike as we ask you to speak through him today so we will be able to take in this message and grow closer to you. In your heavenly name, amen.
1: Well, I'm going to echo what my colleagues have said. Good morning. So glad you're here worshiping with us, either here in the church at 5050 REC Drive or joining the hundreds that join with us on the church online. We're glad that you're here. Um, I do want to echo a couple of things that were said in the pre-service announcements, and that one is to come back on April 16th for the Congregational Vote. It's right after this worship service, and, you know, I don't really like to tell tales, but one of the people that go the earlier service says they all need to come back so that the yahoo's that go to 1015 (laughs) don't control the vote so let's show them what we can do all right (laughs) so come on back Um, and today uh, we're turning a page in our life in ministry today Um, holy communion today is going to be taken through intinction Um, intinction is the method of receiving holy communion by partially partially dipping the bread into the cup and that returns to us today we have not uh received communion this week this way for since the first sunday in march of 2020 now i also want if if that makes you just a little bit nervous i want you to remember that there's also going to be pre-filled communion cups here if you're comfortable with that they're right here on this table and you can either come through the lines and just receive the blessing if you'd like or come straight to them we understand that and if you're taking one to someone in their seat please uh, take them we also of course always offer gluten-free pre-filled cups and they're halfway down the um, altar there or or the aisle there so go go there if you desire or need that but please just if you need that go there because um, we have a limited supply of them And I want to make sure that you know that regardless of whether you take a piece of bread and dip it into a cup, or if you take one of the the cups that we've been using for several years, or if you go to the gluten-free table, they are all Holy Communion. Amen? our missions uh, team put this statement out stepping out locally and globally with the good news of jesus christ that is to be one of the pieces of the dna that is marian methodist church and so our mission is to step out and never do you have an easier opportunity to step out locally than right now and that is simply in the next few days make an invitation Make an invitation for for someone to to drop in uh, digitally and listen to one of those five Lenten moments. The first one drops tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. They're amazing. Uh, Great testimonies of faith. Or make a call and say, hey, come on out to communion with me on Thursday. Those times are printed as well. Or, and I will guarantee you this, the the haunting powerful service that is Good Friday at 7 p.m. this Friday evening will not be a disappointment to you. And of course, Easter Sunday, I promise you this, if you invite any of your friends, any of your family to any of these things by simply doing what we're supposed to do, they will be inspired and the power of Christ will be spoken to them. So come on back and bring them with you. This is Palm Passion Sunday. Those two Sundays are put together in the Christian calendar. You saw the children, weren't they cute? You're supposed to say, ah, they were cute. And they were flashing palms that we asked them to do. Some of them know the story well. Others of them don't. But here's the second part of that story. We always need to understand that the palms that reckoned that Jesus was coming, that, that really made clear that, that the Messiah was at hand, were laid down on the road in front of them. And they didn't even turn brown before the crowds changed their tune and started screaming out, crucify him, crucify him. So we begin today with the question, what is the crucifixion of Jesus? Is it injustice? Is it human brutality? Is it good overcoming or evil overcoming good? Well, let's take a look at each one of those pieces. Is the crucifixion of Jesus injustice? Yes. The fix was in. Before even Jesus went to a trial to Sanhedrin, before Jesus even went to a trial, uh, before Pontius Pilate the fix was in. We knew what was going to happen. The Hebrew leaders had felt shown up by Jesus. They felt that Jesus was, was teaching and preaching, and the crowds were coming to him. He was performing miracles. He was interpreting the law in ways that were so profound that even they did not understand. And by golly, the group empowered us, not like giving up their power. And for goodness sake, actually for evil's sake, they were going to reclaim it. Anytime power loses their power. They want to reclaim it. You know, a long, long time ago, um, I was fortunate enough in my freshman year of college to be named the starting third baseman on my college baseball team. And our very first game was in Lubbock, Texas, and I was jacked up. fired up you know and i think i was batting second or third in the lineup that day and i got up there i'm fired up and i get up there my first that bat and the ball comes about fastball right across my knees and the umpire says strike one and i never ever argued with umpire but i was so jacked up i smacked my bat on the plate and said come on blue i turned and faced the umpire you never turn and face the umpire mike you'll understand this next pitch it's about right here, right at the bill of my cap. You know what it was called? Strike two. And so I have got 0 and 2, and I thought, man, I would be better be ready. And this pitcher throws about a 56-foot curveball, which meant it bounced way out there. And the umpire says, strike three. And I started walking back to my dugout, and he looked at me. He says, number 10, you have any questions? I said, I believe I understand the situation. You know, but when you slap your bat on on the on the plate and you you take some of the power from the the umpire, they're going to claim it back. When Jesus went around Galilee and thousands of people came to him, the power says we are going to get that back no matter what. So what a sham. For Jesus, there was no justice, no one came to his defense. They had predicted him guilty days before the trial. So is this injustice, the the crucifixion of Jesus? Yes, absolutely. Was it also human brutality? Absolutely. Today, our confirmation kids, which are in 7th and 8th grade, 13-year-olds by and large, they received from their teachers the physical diagrams of the punishments, the hurts put on Jesus before and on the cross we someone gave these to me years ago, and they have um, like MRI sketches of what it would have been and how it would have felt to have your hand tied down and then have a stake driven through your arm as it broke the cartilage and broke the bones on the way through and what it would have felt like to have your your, your feet tied together and then had a longer post shoved through them what it was like to have these this crown of thorns which by the way this is representative of the crown of thorns in israel um so so the thorns are about as big and as sharp and as hard as a sharpened pencil and to have those beat onto your head they received all those and i remember when i when i got those from one of our confirmation teachers probably 12 15 years ago i said oh no these are way too harsh we should not give these to young people and he was adamant saying my children have looked at them, and if we don't understand the brutality of Jesus' crucifixion, then we may not understand it all. So if you're sitting next to a 7th or 8th grader, they can show it to you. But those photos are a lot. They're not photos of Jesus. Obviously, they're MII depictions, but they're a lot because it was a lot. The crucifixion was absolutely humanly physically brutal they're definitive because they're accurate because the physical crucifixion was human brutality in full bloom and the psychological brutality was significant too not only did Jesus supporters turn on him but this is very public humiliation first of all he's got a Middle Easterner stripped to the waist that's really bad secondly we don't crucify in the Roman Empire people off to the side somewhere Jesus was crucified on the main thoroughfare that led from the Damascus gate to Damascus, Syria. A main thoroughfare. He was hanging there on the hill of Golgotha where all could see him along with others. At this cross, human brutality has reached its height. Is the crucifixion of Jesus evil overcoming good? It would appear so. The contemporary audience would have only seen the difficulty, the power of the Romans, the ruthlessness of them, the, the, the priests and the scribes calling back the strength. But I want to remind you when you look at the cross and you read these stories of the passion, things are not always as they appear, so, so stay right where you're at. Is the crucifixion of Jesus injustice, human brutality, and evil overcoming? Yes, and it's also the perfect gift, the absolute perfect gift. It was given with the recipient in mind. That's you, me, and everyone else. And it's exactly what every human being needs. You see, at the cross, Christ's life was given. It wasn't taken. Jesus giving himself is premeditated. The Romans didn't take Jesus' life. It might have looked like that to a contemporary audience, but he gave it, he gave it as a gift. The decision for Christ to die was made in communion with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit long before, long before a friend betrayed him with a kiss in the Garden of Gethsemane, long before his arrest, long before the sham of a trial happened, long before his best friend, his buddy, Peter, denied him several times. You remember the story. Jared told it just last week in his talk of Genesis 22, when Abraham is on the mountain, Mount Moriah, with his son Isaac, which incidentally, is only a few yards from the story we're talking about right now. And on that hill, Moriah, which is now the Temple Mount, Moses, uh, or I mean, Abraham again and again told his son, God will provide the sacrifice. In that moment, it was a sacrifice to see if Abraham would be the leader of the people and to see if he was faithful. In this moment, the cross of jesus christ it is to see if we will receive the gift because jesus promised it three times in the gospel of mark jesus promises his death he says he then began to teach them that the son of man himself must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders the chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed and after three days rise again not that he might be killed but that he must be killed and in luke 9 verse 51 there are many other scriptures that i could quote here But it tells Jesus, halfway through his ministry, it says this, at that time, uh, he turned his face resolutely and set out for Jerusalem. That means he, in old Bibles, it says he set his face, which meant he was going to Jerusalem knowing exactly what was waiting for him there, and nothing could deter him, nothing could shake him from that ministry because he had the perfect gift, the premeditation gift of himself to give four times in matthew jesus predicts his crucifixion now jesus was going up to jerusalem says verse chapter 20 and on the way <clears throat> he took the 12 disciples aside and said to them we are going up to jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law they will condemn him to death not maybe they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified and on the third day be raised." to death rise from dead and what you heard elias say when the moment comes uh, he read from luke chapter 23 uh, the 46th verse says jesus called out with a loud voice father into your hands i commit my spirit he didn't say my god they've killed me oh my goodness i've been murdered no he says i commit my spirit to you. you see, Jesus is giving himself as the perfect sacrifice. In Romans 5, verse 6, one of my hundred favorite Bible verses, you see at just the right time, at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. The sinless Jesus dies for the sinful us. The sinless Jesus dies for the sinful and gives the undeserved gift. The perfect bestows himself sacrificially for the imperfect. And, of course, you know John 3.16, but I want you to hear 6.17 as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is all about the gift we don't deserve for the unjust receiving perfect freedom. And that's what the perfect gift does. Now, don't miss this. Jesus giving himself is risky. Immediacy always diminishes in time. The effect of something that happens always draws down as time goes on because i don't know if you know this those of you that are on facebook or uh, tiktok right now do the human attention span is brief some of you haven't stayed with me the first 15 minutes of the talk come on back we know that the human attention span is brief because everyone here has been to christmas morning right Oh, Dad, I want this toy, I want this toy, I want this game, I want this game. And 20 minutes later, it's either broke, lost, or they're not interested in it anymore. They're so excited. But then that passes. Human interest wanes. We were just blessed, Teresa and I, to be in uh, the Netherlands, in Belgium. And in those places, we saw these beautiful cathedrals built to the glory of God, built with I don't know how much monies or euros or whatever. They're gorgeous. But today, people are going in them not to worship God, but to see the beautiful artwork of Rubens and others. you, You pay an entrance fee now to go into the chapel because they're a museum, because the immediacy the importance of the gift for which they were built has diminished in those places. Let that not happen here in our country. But what Jesus knew and the risk he was taking was that not everyone for whom the gift is intended will receive it. Just because you're offered salvation, just because you're offered forgiveness does not mean that you have to or you will take it. So now let's look at how this crucifixion points towards our behavior for just a couple minutes' time. The crucifixion of Jesus is modeling how his disciples are to give. Christians mark their discipleship with premeditated giving just like Jesus did. Jesus' gift of himself had you in mind way before you were born. Psalm 139 says, Before you were knit in your mother's womb, I, the Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, was thinking about you. I knew what was going to come of you. And so so the delivery of that gift came before even you. And the delivery of any gift... Comes after the decision to make it. You can't get the gift and deliver it in the same moment. Giving to Christ for a Christian, giving to the church for a Christian, giving to others begins with the attempt to show love to the recipient. You decide first. You deliver the gift later. Giving as a Christian is an act of gratitude for all that God has already given us. That's what that's supposed to be about. And every Christian being, and, and I pray that that's you and me, have this deep spiritual need and this important responsibility to give. And Christians like Jesus marked their discipleship with sacrificial giving. Jesus himself, his gift was a complete sacrifice. There was nothing he held back. It was full and complete. And we offer something of ourselves that is precious to God too. If we give anything, we're to offer that which is precious. Not, you know, don't, don't reach and just give a tip to God or just say, oh, I, I wish I could give more. Go ahead and try to give it. Because I, I watched a podcast the other day that And I loved it because it was kind of haunting to me because this person stood up. He wasn't a pastor. He was just a guy, a layperson like one of you. And he says, I needed to think, what have I ever given to God? And have I ever given anything important? I see a Lord that's given full commitment, says this gentleman, but I feel like I'm hedging my resources, always holding back. But we're supposed to be sacrificial and and. and Third, Christians mark their discipleship with risky giving. Same as Jesus. There's unknown outcomes of our generosity. We never know. There's always a mystery behind what we we give, but our passion for God must outweigh our fears in the risk that we're taking. Faith, for me, has always been a risk. And at the same time, it's my only certainty. And today at the table... We celebrate that Christ premeditatively gave himself for you. He sacrificially gave himself for you. And it was very risky. This is the gift of the human community, that is Holy Communion. It's timely because it happens in a moment of time with the disciples and the context that they're in. And it's timeless because it's been celebrated and received by millions of every time and every race of every culture and every age in the last two millennia. But that really doesn't matter as much as it is what's happening right now for you. Because some of you are Christians, you've been here a long time, and you might need to think about, is this another time that I take communion? Or is this a really important time that I take communion? Because when you're called forward, really what you're asked to receive is the risky, premeditated sacrifice in Jesus of Jesus and embrace his model of giving and be inspired to deeper intentionality and risk and sacrifice
0: of your own.